well, initially, uh, one of the first projects I launched after joining the company was to take the company, all agents, all staff, brokers, everyone, the leadership team, on a culture exercise. Uh, we really needed to define our purpose statement and our core values. So that was really fun. It took us about you know three months to complete the exercise with the help of everyone. Everybody had a voice, but we defined it. And, and our, our mission, our purpose statement is to build a shared future together. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 288 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. You know what I say. Say it with me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. I am as always, excited for my guest today. Uh, I'm on a quite a run of, of, of people that are in leadership positions at companies. Today, we're going to be talking to Aaron Noble. Aaron is the Chief Culture Officer with Real. And if you haven't heard of Real yet, I promise you, you will soon. Uh, founded in 2014, it's a very interesting company, and we're going to talk a lot to Aaron about that. I don't need to talk about it here. So I say that we get this thing rolling. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, I am Molly McKinley doing her thing, hooking me up with somebody else really interesting in the business. That's what I, it's who, it's what I love to do is talk to people who are doing really cool stuff. Um, but, but as I warned you, you know, a little bit before we started recording, I do like to find out about your background, like where people come from. And, and this is super exciting for me because you're, you are the first guest out of, this is episode 287, 288 of the, of the podcast. And you were born, I think you were born in Alaska. Am I right? I was. I was a third generation Alaskan. Uh, my wow. parents still live up there. Uh, my, my dad is a commercial architect up there, but grew up uh, flying around on his float plane, fishing the rivers and just you know, having an amazing time. Like, like movies I've seen. I mean, when, when the people talk about Alaska, that's what you were doing. It was idyllic. Yes. I mean, I remember as a child, you know, thinking it's bear country too, you know, we'd go out like, you know, land on some remote lake or river and take our fishing rods and our hip boots and hike back in to the, <laughs> the best fishing grounds we could find. But, you know, always knowing that, okay, there could be a bear anywhere and just come, come up on you very quickly. But yeah, it was idyllic. Wow. Yeah. I, I guess that's um, like, I, <laughs> I live in Florida now. There's alligators everywhere. And, and that can freak people out because, you know, they're these prehistoric creatures that, that look like they want to eat you, but, but they're not near as dangerous as a bear because a bear can come out of nowhere. You don't know it's even there. I'm just guessing. <laughs> and you got to be ready. And my guess is you got to be armed. You got to be ready. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I don't, my dad never carried a gun. I had a bear whistle around my neck. So we made a lot of noise. <laughs> We okay. sang songs, had tin cans tied to the, the back of our backpack so we'd rattle and just make wow. a ruckus. Yeah, so That's really for us, it was just wow. about, you know, letting the bears know that, hey, we're coming. Typically, wow. they're pretty shy. They'll, they're skittish. They'll run away. But I got to say, alligators scare the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I play golf. I see them every weekend. It's just they're just that a part of, part, very of, uncomfortable. part of life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. What, what town What town did you grow up in? I'm from Anchorage, Anchorage, Alaska. Right, so 
big yeah, city, big city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I just have to ask this, this uh, one last question. Um, like how much daylight did you have in the summertime or the wintertime? When did the yeah, sun the come up? There wasn't much. <laughs> I, um, I was a swimmer. So we had early morning practice. This was when I was in high school. And I remember getting up, going in early, probably around six in the morning um, before school started and going to practice. Um, it was dark and going to school and then getting out of school and it was dark. <laughs> so we essentially oh didn't see the sun. <laughs> wow. uh, we get used to it though. I mean, typically Alaskans go hard, really hard in the summertime. It's yeah. really easy to be up hiking until two in the morning where you have, you know, you look at your watch and think, oh, it's, it might be 10 o'clock at night. And you just lose track of time because it's, yeah. it's daylight. So we, we work yeah. hard in the, in the, winter months and play hard in the summer. Yeah. Uh, biggest misconception that uh, people in the lower 48 have about Alaska. Well, there's a, actually, there's a couple of them. First of all, we don't live in igloos. I was a show and tell project for my cousin who lives in San Diego. This is of course a long time ago, but uh, almost all the children thought that I lived in an igloo. Um, second biggest misconception is it's freakishly large. I've driven the Alcan Highway several times um, from Seattle all the way up to Anchorage. And uh, that gave me a really different perspective on how remote it is, how far away it is, and all of the, the different kind of country to go through and explore to just get there. So it's it's large and it's remote, but it's an amazing, amazing place. Yeah, it's it's on my list. I know my wife and I have to get there um, in the summertime. Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. Like many people in real estate, I'm I'm just guessing and kind of because like, I do a little digging and looking around online to see what I can find out about you. And you know, you went to you went to University of Alaska in Anchorage. You you uh, you also went to the Art Institute of Seattle. Uh, marketing and industrial design, all this stuff. I don't think real estate was on your radar at that time. Am I right? And no, like, like for probably <laughs> most <laughs> real estate agents, it wasn't. Right. No, I, right. I totally what, fell into it. What were you going to do? What What was the plan? Uh, my plan. Well, I, I graduated my degrees in industrial design, so I really have a passion for quality design. And growing up, the daughter of an architect, I've been around design my entire life, which is kind of funny now looking full circle. It you know, it really aided into my career in real estate. I can read blueprints and work with contractors and I've actually built many specs myself. But at the time I, I actually had a job with Herman Miller and I was doing space planning and design for offices, corporate offices, and actually had an opportunity to move up to Bellingham, Washington, where I currently live. And there was nothing up here for me to do. So I decided, well, I need to make a buck. So I will go get my real estate license and, and try that out. So and here we are some number of years later. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a, a huge <laughs> part of your life. You were working with, a like, is it a large independent brokerage? Is that a way to talk about who you started off your career with up in Bellingham? Um, sure. Actually, I yeah, I started my career, got my license back in 1999 and hung my license initially with a small firm here locally and then moved over to a luxury boutique, um, a local owned um, boutique oh, okay. firm here in Bellingham. So spent the majority of 15 years of my career there, just cutting my teeth and just terrific brokerage. After that, in 2014, I made the jump over to eXp Realty. 
Yeah, that's, I'm trying to think, you know, EXP is just getting rolling, right? Because they were, um, I remember Glenn talking about his plan in like 2009 in Phoenix. And we were at a bar camp, right? Mm-hmm. He actually sponsored the, the I, I say this a few times, you get tired of hearing it. He sponsored the happy hour at Salty Senorita <laughs> on Scottsdale Road. Yeah. And uh, so, so we have this, um, you know, he, he had this idea, you know, not, not profit, but revenue sharing. It was just this amazing <clears throat> new idea. Um, so in 2014 though, uh, it still was relatively small, relatively new, right? Um, what, 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 what got you there? What was that? What, what was the draw? I, well, you know, suffered through the recession. I think I sold one house in 2009, seriously considered getting out of the business, but that really spurred my decision. Okay. I'm going to stay in the business, but I'm going to, I'm going to implement more tools, um, more, more products that can better help me serve my clientele. So I started doing some research, started building my own website, started finding, (laughs) researching a CRM. I mean, all of these things were just not really in play for for agents. It was a very different time. It really was building things out ad hoc. And the expense and the time incurred with all of this was just astronomical. It just didn't make sense for me. Um, So in about 2013, I started researching different brokerage models. Really wasn't finding the right fit for me until um, in 2014, early 2014, EXP came across my radar. And I reached out to Glenn and his partner, Debbie, who I actually got my real estate license with back in 1999. Um, uh, so that's the connection here. Um, Debbie right. Byrie and I have yeah, been longtime friends and, and realtors together. So we sat down for dinner. Uh, Glenn explained the model to me, and I thought, this is brilliant. This is it. This is the te- type of technology that I needed to implement my business. So um, there were about 300, maybe a little less than 300 agents when I joined EXP. Um, as a whole. Wow. It's now f- over 50,000, I think. Over 50,000, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Right around this time, this is, I think this is very interesting. I think this is when you met your husband, Peter, right? Somewhere in this time frame. Is that, do I have that uh, right? Before that. So we met in tw- 2012. Okay. Um, he uh, was working down at Microsoft, so wasn't able to live up here full time. So was commuting back and forth quite a bit. Okay. So he, and so, and this is, I think this is interesting is he actually followed you into EXP, right? Be, and, and, and his background, let's talk about his background a little bit because sure. it's, it's very impressive. <laughs> um, yes. a, a PhD in cognitive science, cognitive, cognitive psychology. Science. Yes. Yeah. And, and mathematical so, modeling. <laughs> oh man, I, I wonder what it's like because realtors are, are an odd group. I, I wonder how he handled that, some of those initial okay. initial <laughs> interactions. Uh, it was it was interesting at first. Let's just put it that way. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Coming from a you know a twenty years at Microsoft, and uh, yes, it was just it was a funny time for us. There yeah. were a lot of great stories that were told. Well, you, the two of you, you were you were there quite a while. Um, Solid five years, I think, and and you were really helpful, instrumental in kind of building what this, what it was going to look like to make to help EXP expand, right, easily, mm-hmm. quickly, yes. not only in the U.S. but internationally. Is that do I have that kind of right? That- yep, that's correct. Yeah, I was there for six years. Um, had a terrific time with the team. It, it was in a, it's a precious time of my life. You know, helping take a company from you know a small company of 300 to 30,000 at the time that I left. Wow. 
I, you know, I, I, I try to explain to people all the time that um, there's the, this, this national brokerage model is, which is kind of just hard to wrap your head around, right? It doesn't, it doesn't compute it on some levels <laughs> and, uh, but, but the ability to have one broker in a state, like one broker, but then have support staff you know, that are scattered across the country who don't have to be in a brick and mortar place that can do all that work, right? This, this is, um, there, there are more of these companies coming about. We're going to talk about one next, but I, I want to get your take on this. I mean, you obviously, you obviously feel uh, that, that this is definitely uh, uh, the future of what the real estate industry is going to look like in the States, I would think. I, I definitely do. I feel yeah. very strongly about that, um, pandemic or not. Um, so this was obviously pre-pandemic. I think it's just a smart model. I think the traditional model, the bricks and mortar, bricks and mortar brokerage model, is is not here to stay. Um, agents really are on the go all of the time, and they need the type of technology to help support that. Um, that's what I really saw in EXP. Uh, it was it was a hard education though. The market wasn't there. They did not understand it. Um, MLSs and boards did not understand how a, a cloud-based brokerage model could be compliant, how the broker could possibly, you know, be in charge of all of these agents in one state. It, it was it was a difficult time. Just a lot of education, a lot of conversations, um, yeah. a lot of, you know, deep I, insights that were shared. Some of them had rules like the broker had to be within 75 miles of the agent or something. I they mean, still do. <laughs> <laughs> that's there's still part of it. There's some okay. states where, yeah, you, they can't be more than 30 miles from, from your broker in charge. Wow. Just a handful, though. The, the industry has changed and shifted around, since yeah. 2014. Let's move forward then. In 2020, right before the pandemic, um, uh, Tamir of Real reaches out, right? The, the founder, yes. co founder, CEO of, of Real. He reaches out to you and Peter, uh, and he has something. He has a. He has. He's part of that same new. I say new wave, but he's been around a long time. But that same. Uh, that same thought that we don't need the brick and mortar. There are ways to do this with technology. There are ways to make this more effective and better for the consumer. Uh, and they. He talks to you now. You're. You're probably very happy where you're at. What was the thought process there when you get this call? Yeah. Um, well, it, actually, it, it was part of a longer conversation that, okay. you know, went for about, you know, two, two and a half years. Tamir had approached me and then us um, just, you know, regarding real, uh, wanted insight and input on the model. I'm here to help, you know, all brokerages be successful. I don't think there is one best brokerage model out there. Everybody's different. You know, it's all about the agent finding the best fit for themselves. So we started in conversation and, you know, took a look under the hood of what he was building and really liked what we saw. Um, Real was founded in 2014. So in about the same time that I, I joined eXp Realty, really, you know, different, different brokerage model, different tech component, um, some real sophisticated, sexy and clean branding. So, yeah, there was an immediate appeal. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we talked earlier, earlier before we started recording, you know, that, Gary Keller, you know, uh, was the 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 gentleman who came in with the you know the cap model, the cap uh, mm -hmm. model, which was a, a game changer right. in the industry. And then Glenn comes in and says, "I want to do revenue sharing, not profit sharing." What's real doing, you know, to kind of take this, you know, to the next level? Sure, a little bit of everything right now. We're you know enjoying the similar cap commission model that you know Gary Keller brought to the industry, and and the revenue share model that 
Glenn and EXP brought to the industry. Um, we have very different technology, however. We're completely app-based. We have our own proprietary tech stack. We're actually um, going to be launching our new app here shortly, probably within the next month or so. So we'll be having a lot more conversations about what that aspect is going to look like and how we're going to be involving the consumer in the process. The growth of teams in this country in the world of real estate has been staggering in the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, personally, for me, I look at it and I go, it's, it's, it's a direct result of these, um, these new models that don't require you know, the brick and mortar, the ability to have some sort of change in the rules at the state level that allow teams to operate, right, in a, in a different mm -hmm. way than they were forced to a few right. years ago. Uh, and so I, I think looking forward, um, teams are going to be uh, like a, a dominant force in the industry. Mm -hmm. I am a fair assessment there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What these type of models, these national platforms are doing is they've gotten rid of the geographical boundary lines. So instead of having to be licensed in every single state as the agent or the broker, you can be licensed in one state and operate your team as an expansion model anywhere that that brokerage is open because you're using the broker broker in charges license to add agents in that area under your team name. I think it's just, it's brilliant. It's, it's a way to help maximize your business across multiple markets. And it, it's it can be done in 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 like a KW world. They there are teams that open up around the country, but it's it's a sure. much more complicated process, I imagine. A little more tricky. Yeah, they've got market centers, so it's a little bit different. A little bit more, yes, more difficult to do to structure it that way than a national platform. Yeah, yeah. Um, your your title, you're the chief culture officer. My first guess is. Oh, that means you do a lot of different things. Like you're involved in everything because you have to be in that role. There's, you've got to touch what's happening in so many different places, right? So Correct. What, are, what are some of the key things that, that you help and that you work on? Uh, well, initially, uh, one of the first projects I launched after joining the company was to take the company, um, all agents, all staff, brokers, everyone, the leadership team on a culture exercise. Uh, we really needed to define our purpose statement and our core values. So that was really fun. It took us about, you know, three months to complete the exercise with the help of everyone. Everybody had a voice, um, but we defined it. And, and our, our mission, our purpose statement is to build a shared future together. And our four co core values are, and I love these. I'm so proud of them. Um, we, we have raving brand ambassadors that are weaving our core values throughout the DNA of their conversation. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but our primary core value is work hard, be kind. Um, we, we really feel like the world needs a lot of kindness right now and patience, especially during the pandemic year. So that's absolutely our most, most popular core value. Um, we practice kindness and we do it with a smile and we also work hard. When you're looking to bring somebody on board in a leadership role of some kind, it could be a, you know on a mid level or even a higher level. How, how are you? How are you putting people through the paces on in making sure that they're that that culture fit's going to be there? Because not mm -hmm. fitting into the culture can lead to you know big issues down the road, right? And, and we like to say, yeah, you know, at Ray Major, we like to say that you know that um, culture is non negotiable, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, so that so how do you how do you handle that part of it? Well, it's our stake in the ground. It's it's yeah. who we are. Um, we lead with culture. That's our first conversation that we have with them. Um, we ask them to, you know, read through our core values, watch watch a video that I've recorded with Tamir that's on YouTube. We've got a lot of, you know, great materials out there, but this is really 
the foundation of who we are at real. It's we are here to work hard. We are here to be kind to people. Uh, we are here to make a difference. And we're also here to learn from our mistakes. A potential agent, potential broker or a, a member to the team is not in alignment with our core values. It's a pretty easy decision. We need to be in cultural fit uh, in alignment together. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think embracing that and living by those rules uh, is a wonderful thing to do for a company. I probably one of the reasons why I am at where I'm at. So yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it does make a difference. It sure does. Um, I, I I have to point this out. I was uh, once again, during doing research, I came across like uh, an image and it was there there, I think there were five or six women in leadership positions at the company. And I think that's got to be, that's amazing, right? And so let's talk about like the, the role that Real is playing really in kind of, in my opinion, kind of closing the gender gap in this industry mm-hmm. because, you know, it's always been heavily dominated by women, you know, in, in the field, in the trenches, mm-hmm. doing all the hard work. But we never really saw that, you know, at the uh, leadership level. So First of all, congratulations, and, and let's talk about that a little bit. Thank you. It's something I'm extremely proud of, and Tamir has led the way for that. Um, women are breaking the glass ceilings here at Real, yeah. and we support that. We support diversity in all aspects as a company, It's it, it, and it's a true testament of who we are by looking at our senior leadership team and some of the fantastic women that we have on board and some fantastic women that will be joining us. Yeah, I would imagine that that um, that acts as sort of a magnet for talent. (laughs) (laughs) They're looking at a company and going, oh, wow, look what I can do here. And that's kind of that's very cool. It is very cool. I'm very proud of it. As we kind of get close to wrapping this up, uh, I saw some uh, NASDAQ news with real involved in it. So that had to be exciting. Let's talk about that. Yes, I still get goosebumps when, you know, we talk about it and then just seeing the ticker symbol up on the big board there. That's that is something remarkable. So it's to me, it's a once in a lifetime event. Um, So we will be celebrating at a at the bell ringing ceremony at the NASDAQ here soon. Nice. That's great. And what does that mean for the company going forward? Well, really, what it means is that it opens the door to a lot of potential investors for us. We have. a funding round by Insight Partners. They've provided the funding behind multiple startup companies like Twitter, DocuSign, HelloFresh, um, hundreds and hundreds of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just recently chose to exercise another, I believe it's 35 million Canadian in funds as an investment with our company. So being listed on the NASDAQ, it's, you know, it, it brings the reputation that we're solid for doing the right thing and we're got a great future trajectory for us. I hope I don't um, embarrass myself by saying, you know, real has been real quiet. (laughs) 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 I design. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I, you know, when Molly mentioned it, I I said just real. Yeah. And she said, yeah, R-E-A-L real. So it was by design. So I'm not, I'm not losing my mind. You're not losing your mind. No, we have been uh, quietly building our proprietary tech and the background. Uh, We will be releasing that here uh, very soon. So lots of fun things abrew and lots of great things coming for our agents and consumers as well. 
That's awesome. Aaron, uh, I, I, I like to end the podcast with the same question that I ask every guest. Um, and then that is what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just starting in the business? One piece of advice. Oh my goodness. Especially in this market right now, interview as many brokerages as you can get to know your broker. You're going to need support, especially in this market. It's a tough industry right now. It won't always be the market will shift, but having a great broker to support you as you kick off your career is instrumental. Aaron, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Oh, sure. You can reach out to me on social media. I'm very present on LinkedIn. That's just my name, Aaron Noble. Um, you can find me there. Um, you can always reach out to me on email as well. It's Aaron, E-R-I-N-N, at therealbrokerage.com. Awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for taking some time today. This was really wonderful to chat with you. Um, you will be my go-to resource for Alaska when my wife and I make the trip, if you don't mind. Yay. We'll be <laughs> <laughs> we'll be getting some information from you about where to go and where not to go. If <laughs> I'm happy to help. Thank you so much. Good, and continue success and good luck. And, uh, and it will be exciting to watch real uh, as, as, as they keep growing. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate the time here. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Uh-huh.